You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Good morning, good morning everybody. It is a Sunday morning, it's 7.30 and that means one thing and one thing only, it means the gardening show. Uh, Welcome to everybody. Uh, This morning in the studio with me I would uh, like to welcome three very special guests. We've got a diverse group of people in the studio this morning which I'm very excited about. We have uh, landscape designer and maker Loretta Childs. We have fungi, bulb and weird plant expert. That's what I've locked you as, Greg. Greg Balderston <laughs> and our favourite fruity expert, Graham Morrison. So I know already that the phones are going to run hot um, because there'll be lots of fruit questions, I'm sure. And I see everyone's brought plants in to talk about. So welcome, guys. Welcome, AB. Beautiful morning it is. It is indeed. Um, no balloons on the way in today, but um, it was what a bit about windy, wasn't it? It was yeah, quite it windy. A bit gusty up uh, northwest, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, how long does it take you to get here, Greg? Uh, this morning, it took me a lot longer than I'd anticipated because of roadworks <laughs> road and works, yes. and public events. But um, uh, just about almost exactly an hour so for, oh, from okay. home from yeah. when I leave to when I get here. So, uh, but yeah, there's uh, lots of. Well, they say road works, but they just put 60k signs up and leave them there for three oh, or four years without doing so anything. It's <laughs> annoying when there's nothing going on, isn't yes, there? Yeah. And you get to the other end of it, it's like, damn, yeah. I wasted those 15 seconds for nothing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. What about you, Graham? How's things? Oh, yes, pretty You're... good. Pretty good, 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 thank you. Still can't help myself in my own garden. I was... The last count, I had 130 different varieties of fruit trees and be- 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 berry plants in my garden. This is uh, the retired Graham. Yeah, that's yep. right. Put put a, <laughs> a yoke around my neck and I, put, put, plenty of work. Of course, now that things have dried out, it's uh, you know, about two hours every morning. Uh, you know, keep, keep keeping things alive, and uh, it's amazing how you know, the other thing that's happened maybe to me is that you know that the trees were. When they were small, I should have planted more dwarf, dwarf trees and less less uh, ordinary ones. The trees have grown, and whereas once upon a time, you know, the, you, you, a little bit of water, you, you find, yeah, you find, you give them a good drink, have a look the next day, and they're, they're, they're wilting. I think yeah. it's been very dry. I think the other thing that's happened that you, you people would be aware of is that uh, uh, we had so much good rain in the springtime. And uh, of course, it, it, trees of all sorts put on so much growth 
and now that growth's a bit of a burden to them because you, you often just you look, 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 look at trees and plant plants and there's abundance of leaves. They're just dropping all their leaves because they're, they're, they're seeing hard times mm. with, with a lack of moisture there. Yeah, yeah, and you brought up a good point, which is something I hadn't really thought about before. And I guess when you first started planting fruit trees, there weren't yeah, so many sure. dwarf trees no, available. That, 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 that's, now, that, that, of course, that, 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 that's plenty, true. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it's a very good point. And... Uh, you know, the, the dwarf tree for the backyard is such a bonus, you know, compared with the big one, unless you want to pres- preserve, you know, tunt, you know lo- 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 loads of peaches or apricots or something or other, you know, for preserves. But you don't lot of, want a lot of fruit. Uh, and, of course, you know, to, pr- to prune the tree, to th- thin it out, to harvest it, to, to net it, it's, it's so, so much more convenient, you know, for the backyarders than... than than uh, these these big big trees, sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And so, to have you sort of moved to a lot of dwarf varieties? Yes, I've got quite quite a few. You know, I say all those those number of plants I've got. I cheat a bit in that I've got trees that I'm, I'm always nifty at budding and grafting. So some of my I've got a, a, a citrus tree there with ten varieties of, of, of fruit on it, wow. and uh, similarly with cherries, there's about eight different varieties. Apricots and stuff like that, and I've also espalier things around. Make the use of my fences, one side and the other, and on the front side fence. And so I, 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 I get get around like that. But now there's some great, uh, you know, you go down to Bullion Art and Garden there. And at the last count, I think they had a. Uh, was, I, I counted the number of dwarf fruit trees they had. There was nudging 40, 40 different varieties. Oh, my goodness. So, I think, so they're really into the dwarf, dwarf, dwarf trees, which is great. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure, yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, it encourages the home gardener, which is so wonderful because, you know, you yeah. can have a small backyard and you can yeah, get a few trees in sure, there. Sure, so much so you can get a bigger variety. You know, it's not just one whack and big tree. You can yes. have a few, 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 few where you well, yeah. otherwise would have had just one. Two, 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 two Loretta, yeah. And, and yeah. also, I suppose, um, like pruning fruit trees can be a, a step too far for many people. Yeah, just true, true, understanding true. the yeah. different yeah. trees and yeah, how they yeah, fruit sure, so sure, that sure, you get yeah. the best amount of fruit. So I think yeah. maybe is it true, Graham, that the dwarf trees have, you know, you need to prune them less? Yes, I suppose they still need a little bit, little, little, little bit of order there, I suppose. But uh, prune, know, so prune the same amount, but they're slightly smaller yeah. prunings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to go climbing up ladders, yeah, which yeah. is yeah. not a good idea for guys my age, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the other thing, while we're talk, talking about me, in the lockdown, AB, I, I wrote myself a book. I had a bit, a bit, a bit of time, so. Uh, I've got, as they call it, I call them the, the stairway to me. I hope you, 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 I've been a, a long uh, you know, history of orcharding, grew up in an orchard, so I've you know, come to know my fruit, fruit trees pretty well. But I hope you don't mind me giving a plug on it. Oh, i like, to, you, you, yeah, you don't sure, like to advertise on this thing. I've been a presenter for about 25 years now, I think, so it's, it's, it's yeah, gone on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I thought I thought I might have deserved a plug. Yeah, so, so the book. I mean, I, I, I haven't got published yet. It's still just in the in the throes of being pu- pu- yeah. pu- 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 published. So, yeah. yeah, and sure. are you including <laughs> images as well? Yes, for sure. Yeah, I've got quite 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 a few photos there as well, but uh, it is a lot about. Yeah, hopefully interesting early orchard days where we you know, started off with horses rather than tractors and then get back into the little bit of history of Doncaster where we were looking at the uh, 
some of the pioneer work and just how it all evolved in the orcharding set up down there. But, uh, yeah. Uh, it's very interesting, Graeme. Sure. I was thinking my, my yeah. stepfather was an historian in okay. Donvale, um, Irvin oh. Green. Oh, yes. And Irvin oh, no, Green no, no, is my stepfather. Hey, that's yeah. all right. He's and a, uh, Petticoats yeah. in the Orchard, yeah. he wrote. He wrote. I and, um, read that and included yeah. it in my references. Or oh, that's it lovely. So many, yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I know. A lovely, lovely man uh, and um, yeah, very a, dedicated to the, the history of... Donvale, Doncaster, and, yeah, and all of that. Right. So. Fancy that. Lor- yeah. Lor- 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 there we go. <laughs> yeah. Small world. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I think I've put in my book, uh, AB, uh, an African proverb, and it was that uh, when, a, when an old man dies, a library burns down. I thought, you know, get, get a bit of my thoughts on, on paper. So, you know, I'm getting to the stage where it won't last forever now. And uh, so... Uh, uh, when an old library burns down. Yeah. Actually, I think that often I think that we've everyone's got a story and yeah. everyone has got an interesting story in the context of their own family and I often think everyone should just write a book to yes. pass it down, yeah. pass yeah, it along. True. Because yes, think yeah, of yeah, you, yeah, if you yeah. were reading about your grandparents and your great-grandparents, I mean, yeah. I would find that extremely yeah. interesting yeah. To, to know. To, to so I think that's particularly um, my motive to, for, for my kids and their kids, sort of thing, to go, go, go down the. It's, it's lost and it's, you know, there's lessons in there as well, sort of thing, of, you know, right, right on for the generations to come. Yeah, well, hopefully a publisher picks it up and, and we yeah, can all have hopefully. access to it. Yeah, good on you, thanks. Yeah, that, that's absolutely yeah, yeah. terrific. And yeah. um, how many words, Graham? Yeah, I'm not too sure. It was about a. 130 pages, I think, when I uh, it would be some something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've got a good uh, my, uh, my, my, my my son is quite good. He writes papers and stuff. He's an orthopedic sur- surgeon, so he's been at it and corrected grammar and tidied tidied things up a bit. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah. So, oh, uh, my spelling was never very good at all. Oh, you spell check these days is pretty good, I reckon. <laughs> no, that's a that's a fantastic accomplishment writing yeah, a book. Yeah, I think, mm. think so. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I have trouble writing like five lines. The frustration is it's all in your head, but yeah, getting it yeah, on the paper. Yeah, yeah that's true. And write five <laughs> lines over and over and over. Drink. Yeah. <laughs> And you hit a point there, you know, it was all paper with me writing, you know, by hand. Someone would go, be it ever, you know, uh, <coughs> little panel, panel there and with the, the fingers darting around and she, she would get, 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 get it all printed out. Yep. And as, as you go, they correct you, don't they, sort of they thing? They do, with yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. I'm too, too, too uh, old for getting, getting with that sort of yeah, story. Yeah. It can be a lot, lot, save a lot of time. Oh, well, that's great. And are you going to approach any publishers? And Yeah, my, my, my son again, he knows a good publisher that's helped him a lot sort of thing, so it's going to yeah. go through the, 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 that, that way. Well, fabulous. Yeah, oh, well, I'm so, sure there'll be a wealth of information in there. Yeah, that, that's And the tr- historical tr- tr- aspect of it as well. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where did you start out? Uh, what area? Was it in the sort of Doncaster area? Yes, Doncaster? it was. Yes, in Don- Doncaster. We were cl- close to the border of Templestowe and Doncaster. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Dad had tw- tw- 20 acres of orchard. And Don, Don, my brother and I, came home from uh, school and we uh, 
there was not enough trees to keep us going sort of thing, so we bought the place next door, another 20, 20 acres, so ended up farming 40 acres there. I think Dad bought his his land for twelve pound an acre, you know, right? We, 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 we back. Uh, Don't we wish? Yeah, yeah, yes. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and was it always fruit, or was it? Yeah, pretty well. Produce? In early days, for Dad, it was uh, uh, you know all bu- 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 bushland. Mm-hmm. It was uh, yellow box gum gum trees and prick- prickly moses was when they used to. Mm-hmm. I think in, in acacia. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had grubbed that by hand virtually, you know, with a pick and a shovel and an axe. And they got a trowel and jack a bit later, later on where they were able to pull the tree after it was grubbed to a certain extent. Saved a lot of, but a lot of very hard work, you know. Mm. Stony ground, it wasn't great. You know, we had about six inches of topsoil in Doncaster. And, uh, you know, the trees didn't grow all that large, but I think because of the, the hard going, the fruit was always very flavoursome, you know. Mm. And uh, so they, you know, to establish, you, okay, you, you plant fruit trees, but there's about a four or five year lag before it's economically viable because trees takes takes a while to bear. Would that fruit and go uh, into the Vic market? Yes, to, to yeah. right, yeah, yeah, sure. Mm. A few stories about the Victoria market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope there's some juicy ones in the book. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, and they. It's all right. <laughs> you seem to be onto it, Loretta. <laughs> juicy fruit. Juicy fruit, juicy stories, yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. And so I want to come back and talk more about um, fruit, of course, and, yeah, and sure. growing fruit and maybe yeah. even what people can start yep. doing now because yeah. we're coming into the um, bare root season where we're going to yeah, be that's getting true, those true, in true, yeah. how to prep soil. But, yeah. uh, T- today I've got a, f- a few things to think, talk about a little bit later on. Beautiful. I've got a babaco here which is a little bit like a pawpaw, quite a, quite a useful one to grow in our gardens around Melbourne. Oh, and good. I've got a, a sweet lime there, Columbia sweet lime. And yep. I might pass around if they're... Greg and Loretta game. We'll I give them a, ta- a, a taste test. Okay? <laughs> Pour pour in line for breakfast. Sounds good. Heart starter. Get us going. And Loretta, you've got a uh, macadamia that's uh, something I decided. Have a mac- that's, oh, yeah. I know. And it is fruiting, and I have actually not buckets full. It's only one tree, integrifolia it is. Yes, and uh, But they're really good size nuts this year and really. In, I've always had a few, but it's fruiting again. But I, I, uh, they, you know, pretty well fall to the ground. It's just really cracking them. That's, yeah, you know, that's with with the hammer. Now it's getting the nut or your finger each time, of course. And I get my finger quite often. Oh but no! They I are think really you can good. buy a special tool from Queensland. Yeah, which I, I think it might have a little screw top. Okay, A B. Okay, okay. <laughs> birthday. Yeah, actually, it it's is not that far off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was not a subtle hint. <laughs> um, yeah, so but how old is your tree and when did it start fruiting and what yes, did you do? Yes, uh, I planted that, let me say, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I would get the odd nut sort of from about seven years old. Yeah, and it's really only been, I'd say, the last four years that I'm really getting a crop. And it's not a huge tree. Multi, It's got multi-trunks. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But they, it's just flowers so beautifully, and it's a lovely flower. But, you know, racine flower, yeah, yeah. 
Is it flower scented? Like yes, it yes, yeah. it does have a scent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not not overly strong, but it's it's a subtle flower. You know the little racing, mm, but sure. are the nuts are so satisfying. Yeah, having yeah, your sure. nuts and macadamia nuts are a bit of a favourite. So and do you eat them raw? Yep. Yeah, so just yeah. take them off and. I've got, yeah. I've got a metal anvil at home, and you know, mm. it's got a little bit of a dint in the top, sort of thing. Okay. Put my macadamia nut in there mm. and whack it with a hammer, sort of thing. So it saves, saves your fingers. It's a lot of thing. work, like isn't that. it, really? I mean, <laughs> for one nut. <laughs> walk yeah, to the shed, right. crack, walk back to the tree, yeah. get another nut. I do, I do the, love the, the inside. Poor birds that used to spread them in the wild, though. Yeah, totally. the, the, yeah. the sort of weaponry they needed to crack those things back for I'm assuming they were birds. It's a beautiful. Nut that the, the inside of the shell is that it's it's dark dark brown and white, yeah. so it's and it's a beautiful looking thing actually. And yeah. I've sort of crack a whole lot and I put them out and I don't know artistically it appeals to me. Yeah, it just it's a beautiful looking thing. So and it's a it's a very attractive tree. It's evergreen, um, of course, and it's just a lovely attractive tree. Yeah, mm. and, and coming from the subtropics, people wouldn't think necessarily that we can grow, but you've got it in a relatively sheltered spot. It is, yes, yeah, and we don't get frost where we are. Okay, so we're, hill. Yes, yeah. no one likes me. They say, oh, how <laughs> like do you, you grow? I'm thinking, well, I don't. It's just you've always got that little breeze and yeah. so that it won't settle. So all these years, 21 years, and we haven't had a frost. Goodness gracious. So, very lucky. So, the big agaves and succulents never touched. Mm. Mm. Oh, very good. Well, we should um, get to some community (coughs) announcements, I suppose. Uh, They're starting to ramp up again, which is nice. Uh, So, we've got Open Gardens Victoria and... um, you can get your pens ready because there's a double pass to give away for each garden. Uh, so for Bayside Gardeners, these are um, ones in Hampton and ones in Brighton. So get your pens ready if you're down there. Uh, this is for Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th. Inspired by art and design, both gardens will inspire with their unique artistic styles and creative use of spaces and plant selections. The first one is called Sanctuary and it's at 47 Service Road in Hampton. It's a relaxed family garden created by sculptor and industrial designer Dominic van der Merwe. And the second one is Cecilia's Garden, and it's at 25A Wolseley Grove in Brighton. It's a garden that's brimming with summer flowers, and it's created by botanic artist Cecilia Morris. Both gardens are open from 10am till 4.30pm. Entry is $8 for adults, $5 for students, and under 18 are free. And you do need to book, so you can go to Try Booking or you can go to the Open Gardens Victoria website for more information on the garden and for links through to Try Booking. The Friends of the Geelong Botanic Gardens, uh, they manage the Geelong School of Botanical Art and they're pleased to present the 7th Biennial Inspired by Nature Exhibition. Over 70 watercolour, gouache and graphite artworks by 21 students and their tutors will be featured. This Inspired by Nature 7 exhibition will be held at the Exhibition Gallery, Deakin University, 
um, where am I? Deakin University Waterfront Campus, Western Beach Road in Geelong. Uh, that's the 5th of March to the 1st of April, Tuesday to Saturday from 10am to 4pm. Uh, many of the artists have received numerous awards and are represented in botanical art collections nationally and internationally. Uh, there are also many beginner artists who will be featured as well. Uh, so yeah, that's the Friends of Geelong Botanic Gardens for the Geelong School of Botanical Art. Um, if you need more information, you can go to the Friends of Geelong Botanic Gardens website or email info at friendsgbg.org.au. Okie dokie, Avondale Heights Community Garden is having a working bee today. So if you feel like getting a sweat on, um, you can go to the rare of 2 to 22 River Drive in Avondale Heights for their working bee. That sounds nice. Uh, the Oh, there's a bonsai uh, sale. So this is being put on by the Yarra Valley Bonsai Society. It's at the Churnside Park Community Hub at 33 Kimberley Drive, Churnside Park, which is essentially behind the Churnside Park Shopping Centre. Uh, doors open 10am till 1pm. Did I say what date? No, 26th of February, Saturday 26th of February, um, and it's $2 entry. There's a great selection of bonsai uh, trees for sale, as well as bonsai-related items, starters and nursery stocks, pots, books, tools, as well as various potting equipment. Um, excellent opportunity to pick up some great and rare bargains. So you can come along to that. There will be some demonstrations, and I chatted... Uh, with one of the organisers and he assured me that the uh, quality is much higher than you would find in standard nurseries and prices are much lower. So if you were thinking of... Even better than the ones at Bunnings. Even better than the ones at Bunnings, that's (laughs) right, Greg. (laughs) Um, Okay, now is that... I think that is everything. Anyone else have any... Yes, Brian I have one there. It's a little gem... It, uh, it, uh, out of the way a bit, but uh, people out there, you should go and have a look. It's, it's just spectacular. This is what they, they call themselves country dahlias. And a, a, a couple, they're farmers down there, and they got the bug sort of thing and started a few days, I think, particularly, particularly to the, the wife of the, the, the two. And uh, they, they, they say now, I was bragging with my number of uh, f- fruit varieties, but they've got tw- 20,000 bushes of dahlias now oh. they've built, built it up to, with 1,800 different varieties of, uh, of dahlias. I went down there a couple of years ago, and it's just, a, 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 if you like colour and particularly da- da- dahlias, it, it's just, just magnificent. magnificent. They're, they're at 195 Matheson Road in Winchelsea, uh, the phone is there five two six seven two three eight nine. That's five two six seven two three eight nine. If you just if you Google country dahlias, you 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 find all the information there. But uh, it t- touches a, a, a note a note in myself in that my father was an orchardist as we've mentioned 
uh, earlier on, and his uh, passion in life was was dahlias. He never made any you know, but economic advantage out of that. He, that was his pastime. And for 30 years, he exhibited dahlias on, on the different benches of flower, flower shows around the place. And uh, won, won, won many blue ribbons and, and, and stuff. So it was my job in those days. I was the, the artist of the family and I had to stage them in the vases, you know, mm-hmm. so that the, all, all of that is face the judges sort of thing. They looked look, 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 look good and we t- tried to get uh, prizes. But uh, it, it, it is a way down there. Uh, is it Ballerine P- Peninsula, Win- Win- Winchelsea? It's a sort of... D- d- oh, yes, d- it down, is, yeah. No, it's as if you're going down to, to Apollo to, Bay. Yeah, okay, yeah so yeah, you sure. take the, the new freeway, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, okay, yeah. sure, yeah. But it, uh, I could really recommend it to people. I didn't give you the time. They're open from mi- mi- mid-March to about the 21st of April. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I would enjoy, you would enjoy and, that. And, and are the, do they <coughs> sell... That, that's a good question, Abe. Yes, they, they have a, 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 a postal service okay. where they'll... Po- you know, you, you, you go down there, I love that, that friend. And they're all named, every state's got a name on it. So you write down the name, you put, put your order in and that, that comes when the, mm-hmm. the time comes through, the, the winter time for the... Uh, Tubers to be uh, post posted out. Beautiful. They had that service. Clever way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And you get to have a drive at the same time. It's very easy now getting through there, isn't it? Just from one freeway to the next. I was listening this morning to um, 3LO. It's not 3LO, is it? Yeah, anyway. It's 774 ABC. But listening to Macca and uh, there's a lady who rang in and she was quite grumpy she was an orchardist and this is why I'm, I'm mentioning this and they they grow an enormous amount of things in orange and they go down to the market in Canberra on a Sunday morning and uh, anyway she was being really grumpy because you're up at four in the morning and you, you've packed the night before and your fruit is fresh and you're really happy and the protesting in Canberra they got a phone call at four four oh, fifteen to no. say you can't come down and oh, just just talking oh, about the fact that gracious. there's a lot of people who can be yeah, you know yeah. affected yeah. and impacted yeah. by it all and but that's thinking right. from that fresh fruit you've, you've yeah, done all that yeah, work and right, exactly. no market and you just got to find another outlet yeah. 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 yeah yeah which might be the rubbish bin yeah. unfortunately mm. all right sad. well I should let listeners know you are listening to the three CR gardening show and in case you feel like um, if you've got a question it might be around landscape design it might be around fruit trees it might be around bulbs and fungi and other exciting things that you've brought in greg uh, so we have greg balderston graham morrison and loretta Childs. so if you would like to talk to us on air please call 94190155 or you can text us uh, we can't have photos unfortunately but um, you can certainly text your question on 0488-809-855 or for next week you can email us at gardening at 3cr.org.au um, So yeah, please give us a buzz if you've got a comment or a question. Um, I think I have, somebody has obviously programmed the um, number into their phone 
and I'm just going to get it up. Um, let's have a look. Hi, 3CR Gardening Show. I have tiny red spider mites all over my salvia lucantha, and I think they have spread to the eremophilas and phlomus. I've tried spraying wettable sulfur, but I don't think it has done anything. I have a Yates mites treatment I'll try when the weather cools. I have I had the plants in pots on the lawn. Has it come from there? How do I stop it spreading? Mm. Any thoughts? Not not an easy one that one. Uh, there they build up and populations very quickly once they get once they get going. I fancy I think I'm right uh, AB uh, uh, someone in a, in a glass house was having tr- to trouble with that spider mite. I think there's two spotted mite <laughs> and there's biobrium m- m- mites uh, and uh, <clears throat> they they said if you keep everything very moist I've got a plant at home uh, there that is subject to it, and I, I try and keep the, the leaves as moist as possible, particularly spray, you know, with, with a hose and get coming up underneath the Which fold, is where they often the fold, hide fold, too, fold, isn't it? Yeah. True. And even if you've got a fair pressure with a grig and you can, you know, swish, swish it up into that, into that area, mm. it, it, it could be worth a, worth a try for you. Uh, and and yeah. if you are spraying for them too, you've got to make sure you get on the underside of the foliage, yeah, not true, just true. give yeah, them a the pasta over the top because, uh, as you say, con- they, con- they, con- they, con- they hide con- under there. Con- I'm not, con- are there any uh, predatory wasps? or uh, yeah, You can often <coughs> get, uh, for a lot of uh, bug problems, there's often a pre- something predatory yeah, that you can introduce. Good bugs, introduce. go to good, yeah, yeah. good bugs website. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's true. Quite possible. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure about the red spider mite though. It's, uh, I know for lacewings and plenty of other things, aphids and whatnot, there's there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's some solutions yeah, for wasps and predatory insects. Yeah, fruit, fruit, fruit fly. Yep. Yeah, it'd be and, worth uh, checking out. But, uh, and that's a good thing too because we don't want the ghastly uh, toxic sprays on our, our fruit, 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 fruit. Yeah, you fruit, want to keep fruit. the good bugs. Yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. You, know, mm. you, you kill the whole lot. That's the bad news. And, and given they're in pots, I mean, when it comes time to pruning, I'd just hack them as far down as you possibly can, take them out of the mm. pots, give them a bit of wash and water that's got bleach in it and mm. and maybe a bit of uh, seaweed solution added to it and then watch, scrub mm. out the pots, essentially yeah. start all over again and just break that yeah. life cycle. yeah. 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 I but uh, I think that moisture thing—it seems to be in really dry weather that they seem to grow, go rampant in your garden. You keep the leaves moist; it could make a difference for you. Yeah, cool. All right, there's a few more texts that have come through, so I'll read those out. This is from the Encouraging Women and Horticulture team, having their first event for the year. Come and join us over lunch as we welcome in the new year, reconnect with friends and make new ones in this former nursery. All are welcome. I'm assuming that's just all women. (laughs) 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 Although, never know. Emma Emma might email me otherwise. Um, So this is at the major Mitchell Cafe. Um, So it's located beside... A plant nursery, botanical creations in Carnegie. Perfect place to relax and browse the nursery afterwards. There's also a gift shop. 
uh, tram goes straight past and it's minutes from the train station. So that's the Major Mitchell Cafe at 122 Grange Road in Carnegie. It's at 12 noon on Sunday, the 27th of February, and lunch is at your own expense. You can RSVP to this uh, email, events at ewha.com.au by the 23rd of February and the contact person on the day will be Rosemary and her phone number is 0419-180-754 and obviously appropriate COVID precautions will be observed on the day. Uh, And, oh, some more messages coming in. Hi, team. Just wanted to let you know about the Open Edible Gardens in Bass Coast on the 19th and 20th of February. Um, About 20 gardens will be open across the two days, $5 entry per garden or $20 for a two-day pass. There's literally no other information there, so I'm hoping if you Google Open Edible Gardens Bass Coast, you might get directed to a relevant website. Uh, what else do we have? Um, I think that's all for now. So, yeah. AB, you should mention that one. As talking about the Dahlia Farm, and actually I, I, I saw that the, the, the group of ladies, horticultural ladies, were going down there, and I rang, <coughs> and, and actually... I was one. Well, they let me in as a man, and the th- oh, th- thirty ladies and me. So, so you think. didn't have to wear a dress. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't have to wear okay. a dress. So there you go. <laughs> it's a, a good, a, a good group. <laughs> yeah, lovely to sort of encourage. I have a a young, young woman at the moment, and she's sort of coming up to the property and helping me. But yeah. we're we're sort of talking and learning all together and it's a really lovely thing which I'd really love to encourage more um, and I think Carla is her name and Carla's just a ripper. She's yep. just, in, she's enthusiastic, she's mm. actually a primary school teacher and she is changing her direction mm. and she's enrolled in the Polytechnic in Fairfield to do horticulture yep. and landscape and, uh, you know, she's around 39 and I think it's a great age to think, all right, I want a new direction. She's a teacher, so she's also a learner. And uh, I love the fact that we can be in the garden all day and just, I've got another question, I've got another question. And it keeps you very sharp. You know, it's it's really lovely because you're thinking at this age, you just want to keep sharing whatever little bit of knowledge you might have. For sure. Mentors... With anything really can't be yeah, mm. underestimated, can they? Yep. I have a lovely uh, colleague at Karanga, uh, Lindy, and she's been uh, into native plants pretty much her whole life, whereas I came into horticulture and, and native plants a bit later. And boy, oh boy, is she a wealth of information and um, happily shares it. And, yeah, you just learn so much. I mean, they're working, yeah. but you end up learning so much as well, which is terrific. Yes, it's true, true, yeah. yeah. And, and what about – you're at Forest Glade Garden, aren't you, Greg? Yes, yeah. yeah um, so do, are you the head honcho type no, gardener there? No, no, it's a, it's a weird position. It's sort of um, – uh, it's almost like uh, Merlin is to Camelot, I guess. I get to stay in the background and – come up with good ideas and choose what plants go in when things come out. Um, but I don't have the responsibility of 
sacking people or, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or having to get uh, supplies for the garden or anything like that. It's I just show up and build stairs and yeah. stone Under walls. Under the radar. And, Mm. Uh, clip bushes, you know, the, like down in the uh, the Japanese garden. There's lots of cloud pruning, and and uh, they're not technically bonsais, but I, about eight or ten years ago, I planted a rock garden there. It's like a miniature landscape with, uh, uh, you know, full linden trees, but I keep them clipped to about fifty centimeters tall. Whoa. Or so, yeah, yeah. so um, they they look like bonsais, but they're in a natural landscape with waterfalls and mountains and things like that that I built. Um, so, Where is it, Greg? I'm, uh, I'm forest plates on Mount, in Mount Macedon. Mount Macedon, okay. Um, and it's it's open pretty much every day. The only time it really closes is if there's any COVID restrictions that mm. make it do so. But uh, it's pretty much open every day. Um, charge to go in. It, it's a ten ten dollars to go in. It's about fifteen acres or so. So uh, leave yourself. Three or four hours to go through there. Yeah. Can you take a picnic and picnic? Yeah, on the yeah. Lawn? There's lots yeah. of lawns and um, uh, different places to sit around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the thing I'm working up there at the moment was in the June storms last year. We lost some big uh, eucalyptus obliquas in the fern gully, mm-hmm. and one of them was uh, probably around 120 or 30 years old, and it had sprouted up on top of. Um, a pyroclastic flow from uh, earlier eruption from Camel's Hump, which is on the top of Mount Macedon, mm-hmm. and it's very shallow soil, and so the winds knock this tree over, and it just peeled off this this um, uh, pyroclastic flow underneath it, and expose what's very you know it's it's volcanic ash, so it's sort well, of exciting in a way when a tree comes down. Seeing, it is, yeah, yeah. What's underneath? Let's see what's underneath. Yeah, it's sad to see them go, but yeah. uh, well, the funny thing is, this tree's actually survived the fall, so we've got this. 100-plus-year-old eucalyptus obliqua that's lying on its side and it's starting to reshoot. Oh, my goodness. Which works well for me because the pit that it left, it actually tore up about um, oh, five or ten metres of pathway mm-hmm. uh, in the fern gully. Uh, and the hole that it left on top of this bedrock was we couldn't re-put the path back because we'd have to ship all this soil in to build the soil but yeah. back up. So then we thought we'd build a bridge over it. And I figured that for about the same price, I could build a beautiful grotto. So I've started uh, constructing this, uh, sort of making up as I go. But that's yep. that's what I'm allowed to do, I guess. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, but yeah, building a, a like a bluestone grotto there, and hopefully I'll be able to get a local artist, uh, Charlie Aquilina, to build uh, some handrails and a top out of metal that go into that sit into the bluestone and go up over the grotto. Yep. And instead of having something that's just bridges the gap, we can actually add a little, uh, a nice little feature to the garden mm. uh, down in the Fern Gully, which is, uh, it's beautiful down there, but there's not many seats or statues or anything like that. It's all, it's just pathways and, and uh, dry stone walls and things like that. So it's, it's, especially in summer, it's a beautiful place, but it hasn't got many uh, features as such down in the Fern Gully. So this will be mm. one of the biggest things to go down there for for some time. Has weather affected the garden, Greg? Um, the, the June storms last year yeah. definitely uh, caused some havoc down in the Fern Gully. Uh, mm. As I say, we lost about six big messmates and uh, or a couple, a couple of other um, Viminalis as well mm. that uh, two trees, the canopies crashed across each other and took out about half an acre <laughs> just oh, with these two trees. Massive, massive trees. Mm. Um, yeah. And, yeah. But 
as you say, you sort of the clean, once it's cleaned up, the cleaning up was the hardest bit. Yeah. Once it's cleaned up, you sort of look at what what's been lost um, or what's been smashed to pieces and maybe come back and you quickly decide that you're actually got an opportunity rather than you yeah, know how much sure, how much yeah, uh, true, sure. uh, yeah. how much you've lost yeah, you're looking yeah, at yeah. how much you can actually fit in there you know, a 110 <laughs> year old tree the storms it's survived in over all those years and yet one takes it out so yeah it, they were pretty violent yeah. winds up there. It just yeah, it just hit at the bad, right angle, and yes. you, you can across Mount Macedon, all the all the uh, they're all about over about eight hundred and fifty meters mm. and facing in a certain direction. And there were huge swathes of forest just flattened. Mm. It looked yes. like a, a meteor had hit. Um, I think I heard William Ricketts up at that. Those big storms got um, the sanctuary up there got quite yeah. hit and quite a lot of damage. It was ama- it was amazing the. the mm. The uh, the way the wind hit was uh, I'd never seen anything like it. So yeah, yeah it was. Uh, Greg was Ever- Everglades. Was it uh, designed by a, a, a landscape architect early, early on, or is it just no. grown? grown sort no, of it's okay. it's yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, like the house that's there. It's sort of yeah. uh, something that's uh, a normal garden that was planted next to Chernobyl, and it's just sort of morphed and <laughs> mutated. <laughs> Um, and it's, there's a lot of plants that have been shifted over Great the years, analogy. but the, and that's what sort of my job there now is the owner who planted it has sure. made it into a trust fund and I've got their job now where, um, I'm the one that sort of yes, gets to, yeah, yeah, instead of just yeah, maintaining yeah. the garden to give it a bit of life. And as I say, if a tree falls over, yeah. I'm there yeah. to go, yeah. well, mate, why don't we plant this tree? This yeah, to, sort to, of suit. To, 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 yeah. To, to, to. Um, Opportunity. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, But uh, it, it's actually on uh, Gardening Australia. It's coming up soon in, in autumn, oh, I think. Really the, Were you interviewed for it? Uh, yes. Great. Oh, good. Yeah, I was the, uh, the interviewee because I actually grew up next door to Forest Glade. So it's, I think the first thing I ever got paid for was uh, sitting on the gate at Forest Glade <laughs> so people could come into the garden and taking private tours around Door the garden. Bitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember getting lost in the fern gully with a young couple when I was about eight years old and, yeah, they, they I thought I thought I'd made their day terrible and, and uh, apparently they'd had the best time of their lives and gave me like a $10 tip or something. Um, so, yeah, I've worked there on and off since I was about eight years old and grew up next door. And, know it intimately yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a big, big difference in your you're grounding in the place right from your... The, the, yes, the, the, it does. Young, yep. young age. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, let's get to a caller now. We've got uh, Lois and Robert in Mitcham. Hi, guys. Hello, and how are you? Good. Well, I tell you, I'm so happy just to hear Graham on the radio again. Ah, oh, well, yes. What a way to wake up. I tell you, we really love having Graham... On as a regular, we and, do. Uh, <laughs> just to congratulate him and hope his book goes well. Yeah, thanks, Lois. Yeah, yeah. Great knowledge. <laughs> were you a uh, customer of mine in the nurseries? We back? certainly were. Yeah. <laughs> lovely dailies, um, bunches of dailies that we used to get as well. Yes. Yeah. Now, lo- lovely, lots of colour, yeah. and um, we, we, I do we, think it's a bit on the quiet side. Whether you were right on the telephone there. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, that, that's good. That's better. Thank you. Yeah. I should have used the landline one. But, um, 
Anyway, Robert, no, I'm so uh, uh, glad to uh, see you. And you can hear Robert, you can make sure that they'd be There you uh, go. Well, thanks very much. That's very, 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 very good of you. How, how, how's your garden going? You've got a few fruit trees in there? Oh, well, that's one thing. Um, excuse me. Um, my husband said to ask you now. We have a couple, actually, of self-sown um, peaches and nectarines. We're not quite sure which is. Uh, is which at the moment. Yes. But uh, um, the nectarine rob thing, there's the nectarine, had a lot of flowers, Graham. Yes. And um, we didn't have any fruit whatsoever. No. But I'm sure that there there are a lot of other trees around that could possibly have um, fertile it. And um, we just wonder what we can do to encourage uh, the nect- nectarines, I don't know what stage they, uh, whether the flowers stayed there, but they, they, they will shoot their buds. They really need a colder winter than we're getting at the moment, uh, and, and the nectarines are a bit vulnerable like that. Uh, in, in a year, you've got to get so many hours below 10 degrees sort of thing for them to hold on to their, 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 their buds. But once they actually flower, they should... Uh, and you start to think about, you know, whether enough bees or po- pollinators around the place. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, you said to ask you that. Yeah, sure. I think uh, someone was saying, saying Lois, that in... Uh, uh, if, if, if to, to encourage bees into the garden, something like la- la- lavender and you know some flowery plants around the base, base, of, base of some of your, your trees there might increase the number of in, in, insects and they might afford some pollination for you. Yeah. We love lavender as well. Anyway, yeah, yeah good, good. Have a go at that one. You're saying about the um, yeah. the heat temperature. I mean, instead of yeah. being ten below, it's above what we... Yeah, that, that, that's true. Yeah, this yeah. global warming seems to be yeah. k- 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 kicking in in re- reality these days. Yeah. Thanks for ringing. It was really good of you. We had, we had some good times in the nursery. Yes, well, we've been at Mitchum for 50-odd years yes. in the same place. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, that's a long time. We uh, used to enjoy very much coming across yeah. to uh, see what you had going on in the garden yeah. here. Yeah. What's the pomegranate? No, a persimmon tree. Persimmon, yeah, that was a good tree in the nursery, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> Love, a yeah. lovely tree. Yeah. And um, we hope that your um, book goes well. Yeah, thanks very much for that. We'd like to be a customer when it comes out. Yeah, good on and you. And I did your proverbs this morning. Yeah, okay, thanks very much. <laughs> okay, would you repeat it? Because we're uh, about the uh, old go and uh, library is burned down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, when an old man dies, a library burns down. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks, for your, thanks for your call there. Good on you, Lois. And AB, glad to hear you there, and Greg, and... Um, don't feel I'm ignoring both of you. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Uh, we're feeling love. the love. Yeah, you, uh, yes, thank you. Thanks, Bye. Lois. Bye, Tom. Yeah. Oh, very good. Probably a very uh, uh, listener over over the years. Uh, yeah. What's the word, A.B.? Uh, 
Long time listener. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Fan. <laughs> Fan, yes. Yeah. All right, so uh, just got another community announcement uh, to read out. This is from the Victorian Forest Alliance. Uh, there's a launch today at 2 p.m. for the Victorian Forest Alliance. Uh, it's uh, all the forest groups coming together to sing from the same songbook. Uh, amazing art auction and music at Black Spark Cultural Centre at 235A St George's Road in Northcote and it's down a side street. And I'm um, not sure who sent it in, but they've said, please support this as it's imperative that the government stops logging. Here, here. Currently, some injunctions are in place, but they are going hell for leather in other places, um, usually where you can't see it, annoyingly. Uh, launch at 2 and auction can be viewed online and close, closes at 5. So uh, there's not really any other information, but that was the Victorian Forest Alliance um, so, yeah, it would be good to support that if you can. Uh, what else have we got here? Some love for everyone being back on air. That's nice. And some love for you, Graham. And what do what are people wanting to know? Oh, someone was saying, as a fully vaccinated market gardener, I feel for the person blocked from getting to market with their fruits and veg in Canberra. I equally feel for the persons protesting that have lost their right to work from person medical reasons. Um, let's talk plants and love each other. Well, I okay. have to agree with that. Okay. Um, and then, Graham, this one is aimed at you, um, but I'm sure anyone can answer it. Uh, what avocado variety do you re- recommend for Melbourne? Um, Glenroy, so northern suburb yeah, yeah. from Spiros. But, yeah, but bacon is bacon is the one that uh, they usually rec- re- recommend. Uh, it, it for 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 a cold cold climate. I've, I've got a bacon in my uh, pro- property, and uh, I have success with it. It's uh, I think as far as edible, you know, the the, the taste of the things uh, has is probably a preferable one. I think it's a, mm-hmm. a, a good a good good flavoured one. Some books say that you should have two to afford pollination with avocados, but down here in the uh, they've got a complicated pollination thing. They sort of, the male will come out oh, one day yeah, and the female the next right. sort of thing, and you got to get A and B pollination you know, and got to A and B. You should yeah, exactly. know exactly. I should know about it, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, certainly with uh, our climate here, one tree I've proved proved that is you know in my. Nursery days, you go around and delivery to gardens. You see one avocado tree there, nothing in cooey sort of thing, and it's got loaded in fruit sort of thing. So yep. uh, they like a well drained soil and uh, uh, some moisture when the little fruits are just setting so that they don't drop off, drop off on you. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Good on you. Thanks, yeah, Graham. Thanks, yeah. All right, yeah. when is a good time to, to divide orchids? Yeah, that's that's out of my territory. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that. I'm not. Much I'm of thinking an orchid spring. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Why not? So, I, I'm thinking spring, spring would probably yeah. be a good time. I mean, they yeah. can yeah. cope with um, being yeah. very crowded in a pot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, orchids, so that one yeah. of the few plants, I suppose, that doesn't mind being no. pot bound. No, no, that's true. True for sure. Yeah. The other thing, probably, you know, spring you finish the most of the flowering for flowering sort of thing season, haven't you? You'd want to go in after the flowering season rather than before, sort of thing. Disturb yeah. little new new 
developing flowers and stuff. Yeah, and while you're there, you can just tidy up the roots and a, a really um, good way of seeing if a root is healthy or not is to mm. just pull on the little sheath that's yeah, around the root and if it's true, rotted true. through, even though it looks fine, if it's rotted, yeah. it'll actually yeah. pull away and leave yeah, the, the tiny good. little bit of almost yeah. like wire in, yeah. inside, whereas yeah, if the root's fine, it yeah. holds yeah. strong. So You tend to chop, cut, 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 cut those out and leave the healthy roots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go with spring. I think that's a good time. All right. Now, it just really wouldn't be the gardening show without a lemon question. So, And and I'm really – I'm holding tight for the tomato questions. So that'll probably come later. But let's get into the lemon question. Uh, My friend – this is from Anne in Kubirup, but she's uh, asking for a friend. I'm not sure where the friend is. Kind of irrelevant. My friend has a very large lemon tree. It's riddled with gall wasp. Uh, far too much to remove individually. When is the best time to chop it back to remove the affected branches? Yeah, your best your best time. We used to prune our lemon trees. We had quite a few hundred hundred in an orchard back in the early days, and uh, we would always prune them probably December, late late November, December is ideal time to 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 to, to, to prune them. Uh, it's a pestis thing sort of thing. You hear so many different uh, uh, remedies, uh, yeah, yes. Things, things, things mm. Loretta. Uh, some people you know, get a, a potato peeler and you know, get the skin off the indi- individual things. Though depends on the size of your tree. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> Don't do that on our tree. Job, job otherwise, <laughs> we won't see you for three uh, years. <laughs> one, 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 uh, Clients that rang, rang, rang up here on 3CR once, they had a, bl- a blowtorch, you know, and they go around and sort of hit, hit all the, 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 the galls with the blowtorch. But uh, yeah, I think uh, for cutting down, and it's amazing, you can cut a citrus tree down almost to the ground and it'll, it'll, it'll shoot out very well, so they're amenable to be pruned, pruned rather drastically yep. and, and let, let all the, the, the gear come up again and, and get right on top of it then and every time you see a wasp on the smaller growth you've got to be vigilant and take it out, take it out. Yeah. Mm. It's hard yeah. though, isn't it? Because if your neighbours aren't doing the same yeah, thing... That, that can be a big, big problem. It uh, yeah, can be yeah, very yeah, frustrating. Sure. Mm. Yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, yeah. There is still a one of the double passes left for one of the Bayside Gardens. So if anyone fancies uh, going to an open garden, it, uh, just give us a buzz, 94190155. Uh, that's obviously also if you have a gardening question or you can text through your question on 0488 809 uh, this is obviously The Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop and I'm in the studio with Greg Balderston, Graeme Morrison and Loretta Childs. And Loretta, oh. coming to you, baby. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, we sort of had a bit of a talk and um, mentioned that you might want to revisit a natural pool that you'd built. I did, yeah. Which was quite an amazing feat. Yes, uh, I built it about 14 months ago mm-hmm. and uh, I went over during the week to have a bit of a look to see how the, it's a natural mm-hmm. pool so it's got that third of the water area is divided with rockwork underground underwater mm-hmm. about 400 underwater maintaining that sort of natural um, water plant area and uh, it was just absolutely wonderful to go there and see that it really had, it was clear. The, the main pool is about two and a half metres deep. 
and everything has taken off. The, the plants that I planted externally as well, I didn't install the, the natural part of the, the plumbing and all of those things, which is, is sort of pipe work coming up through uh, scoria and um, pebble and just, you know, bubbling away. And in 14 months, it is, it's so exciting to sort of see something take off. No chemicals. It's just the most beautiful thing. All you want to do is jump in. So, um, and yeah, look, it was about 70 cubic metres of rock um, to create, so, and, and really large rock. It's so, always more rock than you think. Always. A couple of the, uh, the rock gardens I've put in, you, you, they go, how much rock are you going to need? And it's like, it'll be more than you think and mm. double it. Yes. <laughs> just, okay. You just really? keep getting rock and it just yeah. keeps going in. It's like, where does all the rock go? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a minor miracle, that pool, because that site is so steep. Yes, it's steep. Oh, I, I can't even think about what grade it is, but it's, it's ridiculous. And, we, and we're, we're in, up in the um, Yarra Valley, so it's the side of a cliff face virtually, and it's been dug in, pulled back and retained to make that pool on the side of this cliff. And I've tried to sort of put the rock in to make it integrate into the bush as much as possible, which I think it's working slowly but surely with all the external plantings around, uh, which are all native, um, and and the water plants are native as well. So it was, yeah, an absolute delight to go and see it. It's all the science there, isn't it? You can get plants that will survive right at the water level Mm. and then some some six inches under and then... Deeper, deeper down, you have a few, a few but all plants that, with their particular requirements, I think, that are drawn. Take, yes. take a good work here. Have water, water, water lilies in there at all? No water lilies, okay. no. no. All indige um, plants? All indige yeah. plants, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a delight to go and see. Oh, very good. And yeah. I bet they use it a lot. I bet they're in um, our 17 days of plus 30, I mm-hmm. bet they lived in it. Yep, it's quite cold, quite cold. <laughs> yeah. And we did, talking about grottos, a little bit, you could almost call a grotto underneath. There's a, mm. a mud brick studio house over the top of the, the high end and we did rock work in through there and made big seats um, out of rocks, sort of about a metre and a half by a metre seating, which was very tricky. My excavator driver, poor old Rick, mm. trauma. Yeah, but he's used to my trauma. You guys have worked together for a long time, haven't yeah, you? And that's a really valuable uh, combination when you have a landscape designer that has a really great relationship with various uh, other contractors, such as mm. excavator drivers. Yes, yeah, yeah, so excavator he's looked drivers at me. can be tricky because yeah. often they're working on roads a lot and they don't care about. But the fact that you want something an inch that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and so. throw in, into the mix working with a woman and you, um, yeah, sometimes have... Um, can be a little <laughs> bit tricky. Can, yeah. can, can be challenging. Very challenging. But Loretta does an amazing job and Rick is mm. incredible as well. He's mm. worked on our place and um, always comes up with these incredible solutions to challenges because yeah. they know what water does and Well, that, that's what you're after, someone who's... And, it's a challenge, not just a job yeah. for them. So, yes. as you say, if you get someone who's like, oh, can I do that or how am mm. I going to do that? Yeah. Rather than just going, oh, it's sort of straight line or yeah 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 yeah. it's not just what i usually do every other day Mm. for people it's uh, yeah yeah and and someone that wants that challenge or 
Yeah, and to yeah. have to work with a landscape designer. So you've got someone there off the machine standing there pointing, saying, no, it's got to go a little bit this way, a little bit that way, rather than just leaving everything up to the excavator driver. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and he's you're going to want that rock under there, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> he knows. <laughs> going, yeah, well, we do. Do you really think you can do that? Yeah, okay. You know, so. But in actual fact, to get under there, the, the main hole was dug and then he had to bring um, a lot of earth back in. And, look, it was absolutely shocking shale. It was the most shaley rock and we it was a liner. So it's, it's a liner and uh, there was a young chap there who was doing the water plants and, and, and he was not considering... We would always put packing sand, particularly on shale, at 100 mil. Mm. So you put your packing sand through, then you put your underlay on and then you put your rubber liner. And it, it's just... A, and when you're putting a rock that's up to two metres by a metre, mm. I mean, big, there's big, an incredible weight. Mm. And so, yeah, and once you put it down, you know what a liner's like, you're not going to move it again. Yeah. yeah. So we had to do a little couple. But, you know, it was... Um, yeah, they, they, he and the young chap, once again, it's learning and he's probably... 20 or 25, 30, and he said, oh, you know, do we have to use packing sand? And I said, absolutely. We're not not putting anything on cutting these ledges. Um, I did... You need to have a bit of give when you put something heavy on it so it's got something to absorb. Yeah, a little bit of movement. The uh, the sharp edges. (laughs) Absolutely. So, yeah. And you um, are sending photos through to Liz to put up on the socials? I did fabulous. Yeah, so people will be able to... See how steep it is. There's some mm. good photos and some good after photos. Yeah. How do you get on with it? Is it chlorinated the purple? No, chlorine at all. The plants uh, do everything, yeah, and it's and as clear as the bell. Oh, it's really beautiful. I'll show you a couple of photos later. Yeah. So when you um, choose rock, I mean, because you work with a lot of different rock, how do you go or what different sorts of rock are available for gardeners to use in landscapes and how do you go about choosing a, a suitable rock? Well, I, I mean, once again, looking at what sort of batter I've got, you know, how steep an area is, or if it's actually the opposite, it's flat and you really want to make some interest. It up, yeah. So yeah. it's looking at sort of being able to build up and build down, I suppose, and, and also access. Um, and the other, what was that about? Oh, just how, how do you choose um, rock and, and what different always, sorts of rocks are there? So I've... Just with the the grotto at the fern gully. Yeah, I was going to ask you because you're doing blue bluestone. It's like in your head, you're like, this would be the best thing. Yep. And then you go to the local place where you can get rocks, and they have an account. The garden has an account out, and it's like, well, that's out of the window. I'm going to have to go. So I got had to cut these stones down into the fern gully. So I was hoping they'd have small bluestone pitches or something with some straight edges or whatever on it. And of course, you get there, and last time I needed big ones and they didn't have them. This time I needed small ones and they've got these, uh, the smallest rocks are a foot by a foot and weigh a ton and I've got to cut them mm. 100 metres down into a fern gully in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So as you say, it's the, the tricky things often yeah. finding mm. good rock, uh, yeah. whether that's out of someone's paddock that wants to get rid of them if you're after some like volcanic field rock or um, there's an amazing place up in Castlemaine uh, called Pyrenees Quarries, yeah, and it's like a rock supermarket, and yeah, I just spent hours in there. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. you get you wander around looking yeah. at all these amazing rocks from that they've. 
brought in from elsewhere, but also uh, a lot of the Castlemaine, Yapping yeah. sort of uh, sedimentary metamorphic rocks and and uh, local uh, volcanic rocks and basalts and things like that. Yes. It's, uh, so do, do you have somewhere? Yes, I have a you, number of places. Yeah. So um, at, uh, Trans Rock was sort of always the go-to. That's over in Wonga Park and they've always been fabulous. Um, Rocks Plus is a larger yard and that has huge diversity. A uh, number of different granites, um, devil's marbles, which is another very round, beautiful rock. Um, big boulders and the basalts and the mudstone. There's, you know, the yellow mudstone. There's the um, the more grey mudstone, a bit of a pink, and then the very pink mudstone. Um, and yeah, and even the, you know, those those basalts. There's quite a red basalt, and then there's the darker grey basalt. So um, sandstone sand as well. Sandstone come into it. Yeah, they have yeah. a bit of sandstone blocks yeah, usually, yeah. but it's, it's uh, a nice grain in yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's also fun to uh, again up one, another garden I work at. Um, I've built a a like a fire pit sort of retaining wall area for them, yeah. and this, there's lots of stone up there, but it's 360 million year old volcanic rock that's looks like sandstone now it's sort of deteriorated on the outside and there's a lot of smaller chunks that are about the size mm-hmm. of tennis balls and he there's heaps of it and it's like oh what do you do with that and i started just u- using on some of the smaller retaining walls figuring out what to do with this stuff mm-hmm. and packing it in and you can curve it and shape it and yep. it's all dry stone so mm-hmm. it's not something you jump on especially until it's settled yeah um but, yeah, sitting with it and looking at them for a while, you, you come up with these ideas where you can use what's on hand rather than going out and uh, spending a lot of money or going to a lot of trouble getting something out of there. It's often, um, if you let it sit for a while, you can come up with a, a reasonable idea how to make it look good with what you've yeah. already got so you don't have to uh, go and get something uh, too too extravagant, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really excited, actually, the, um, the property... Uh, here um, in the Yarra Valley they're going to do a new build and it's going to have a roof garden but the cut that we're putting in, that back cut, we're actually going to have um, a wall of rock. So it'll be once again that metre plus sort of rock and we'll build up the wall up against that. But we're sort of working about all the engineering of all of that as well. It's going Mm. to be a bit of a tricky build will have RSJ's huge beams going across to support the the mm-hmm. roof garden which will come off at a natural level once again being on a slope it's going to come off a natural level straight onto it which will be completely indigenous and uh yeah Fabulous. it's pretty fun yeah pretty beautiful fun. yeah oh and I, I know you take um great care in choosing individual rocks yes you, you actually go pain, out and you pain yeah pain in the neck for trans rock I'm like oh here she comes again <laughs> goes out and picks and, and then bloody buries half of them come well, on what's, what's with the burying half of them I, I, I want to see the whole rock I know, I know there was only I, there was one job um, that I didn't choose we we just had to get truck and dogs there's 250 cubic meters of rock so it was quite a lot of rock and I just didn't actually that was the sunstroke job that I just continued to work through summer, 35 degree days, starting at 6, finishing at 2.33. And I wondered by the fifth day, I'm thinking, 
Gee, I'm feeling really bad. Yeah, really bad. Really good. <laughs> I'm standing there with a 20-ton excavator in dust all day. No, I didn't. So I'm trying to sort of pull back on that, AB. Yeah. You've got to choose the rocks, though. It's the same sort of thing about 13 or 14 years ago, built a, another little mini landscape sort of bonsai garden at a friend's house. And um, I went and hand-picked out about 13 or 14 rocks and the truck came and dumped them right in front of my friend Mary's carport. And then we realised that the guy that we'd organised with the excavator wasn't going to be a big enough excavator, so oh. it to hire a crane to put these oh. things in. Oh and 13 years or 14 years later, you look at uh, the main rock that I got, which was nearly the size of this desk, so it's a couple of, you know, maybe two metres across and the best part of a metre thick, big sort of flat volcanic stone and had like beautiful lichen all over it. And you can't see it now because the little bonsai mm. garden that I've planted has <laughs> covered most of it. Yeah, and that was right. the whole reason for that little rock yep. garden was this big feature stone. Yeah. And, yeah, all the, it still looks good, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think about all the trouble we went to for those rocks and yeah. you can't even see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I have to say it looks so bad when it's just plonked on top. You go... Go past gardens, and I think maybe people don't have um, th- they don't have the knowledge of or, or have an excavator driver that they have access mm. to or something, and they bring the rocks in and just sort of plonk them around the garden on top of the soil, and it always, oh, looks, na- nature's always the looks a bit weird. Teacher, there, I think you're looking yeah. at mm. natural rock formations. Yeah, if you've got a a, yeah. a good understanding of geology or or just the aesthetics of geology, yeah. uh, of surface sort of stuff, it's. Yeah. Uh, you, you can, when you've got the rocks there, uh, yeah, you, you just sort of go, well, that wouldn't work in reality. It wouldn't erode like that or yep. it wouldn't sit that way or that would fall, you know, that it just, yeah, you, you sort Try of... Try to make it as naturalistic as Use the natural laws of physics and, yeah. and whatnot to, uh, to, to put in. They always look... It's a good way to... Uh, a good rule to follow, I guess, to make something look a little bit natural is with that form in nature. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right, we'll get to a few people who have sent texts in. Anne from Northcote asked if we could discuss fruit fly, as their council has highlighted it, obviously, as a point of concern. Uh, so a general info about what to look for and what to do about it. So I'm assuming that means we have fruit fly in Melbourne? Yeah, we do. We, we, we do. do. It's right, right for yeah. in our, in our area has been... Uh, sight, sight, sightings and complaints around the place. So I think Warren Dyke, uh, Don, wow. Doncaster, Bullane, you know. Getting uh, closer. That, 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 that area. But, uh, you know, you, you can get fly traps if you're again uh, plugging Bullane Art and Garden, but they have uh, fly traps that uh, they, 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 they attract the male and they are radiated so that if they can't. Uh, 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 mate with a fee for female successfully mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, you know sanitation AB is very important to, to, if you've got you don't leave any food on the, on the yep. ground c- 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 collect all that up mm-hmm. but saying all, all that you know it still could be a confounded nuisance and uh, it's a uh, you know, for years uh, we had our gates to, to, to try and stop the fruit fly from coming yeah. down here. My old dad, I don't know where he was right, he used to say that they won't get fruit fly down here, it's too, too, too cold. And 
if he was right, probably the, 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 the warming that we're getting now is more conducive to yep. fruit, fruit, fruit fly spread in the Melbourne area. So yeah. Not an easy one, that one. I mm. can't, can't, can't help them too much. Mm. There's always that thing as a child. I remember going yeah. into state, driving into state, and the checking. Yeah. Yes, of course. I mean, it was on just the border. Absolutely. Yeah. Throwing yourself sure, well, sure, throw yeah. your fruit yeah. away. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Got any fruit in there? Yeah. And the kids are there on bananas. Yes, yeah. yeah. so yeah. sit there for 10 minutes eating all yeah. your fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a is a tricky one, but great that she's on to it anyway. So mm. I think the the more vigilant everyone can be around it. Yeah, I mean we're sort of more in the bush and yeah. have less less chances of it coming to us. Hopefully, I mm. guess it might spread on fruit that we bring in. Yep. Uh, so yeah, good good to be vigilant. All right, so another text. Uh, this is from Paul. Good morning, team. Great to hear Mr. Fruit Trees. Oh, there you go. Oh, back on air. <laughs> uh, I'd like Graham's comments on dealing with rats stripping most of the bark off uh, one-and-a-half-metre lime trees. Yeah. Growing in large tubs <clears throat> in my inner north garden, the rats are now so bold we see them on the fences and branches in the late afternoon. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Naughty rats. Not, a, not not an easy one. Oh, you know, rats there's, are there's, so there's, hard. There's baiting, of course, but that's fraught with a lot of worries. Animals eat the dead rats and then they get poisoned sort of thing. And, uh, 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 you know, you've got these springback tra- 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 traps is another one. To, yeah. I've had got, some okay. success with a trap called a good nature trap and it was uh, developed in New Zealand uh, for the... Um, there was a lot of rats targeting native bird species and so they developed it to put into forests. So it links up with your phone. It doesn't have to, but you can link it up with your phone so you can see when there's been a kill. Uh, and it uses a very sort of benign chocolate-type lure. So it's a lure that attracts mice and rats but not things like antichinus or other mm. small mammals that could be affected by it mm-hmm. and there's just this little trigger a little wire sort of hair trigger and um, when the rat or mouse triggers it essentially they get hammered to death so just with one this no. okay. really hard hammer and it's um which is propelled by a um, carbon monoxide dioxide tube, whatever that would be. Um, so it pushes this hammer out extremely fast. So obviously very – and then if an owl or something picks it up, it's not going to be an issue. So we've had limited success with it, uh, probably killed maybe about 10 rats. And some of them are really big rats. So that that's a good nature trap uh, from New Zealand and – for me, it was worth the money, um, but yeah, you, you apparently have to keep it really clean so it doesn't smell of you when you put it down. Because of course, rats are extremely cunning. Mm. Um, yes. Although, yeah. if you go and touch your fruit. I regularly know, I they'll still eat that, that won't they? Yeah, totally. I always think they come in the kitchen where you, there's just human smell everywhere and you're telling me they don't like the smell of you on the trap. Usually once you get a few animals through those, like I, I've got, I've just bought an electric mouse killer um, and I've only got two mice in it so far, although we, it wasn't, we haven't had as many mice as we did last year in the house. Um and, yeah, that was quite expensive and it took ages for the first one to go in there, but once the first one 
I think we only had two in the house, but yep. once the first one went in, the second one followed quickly because mm. the smell had changed from me being the only one that touched it to the actual smell of a mouse being in there already. Mm-hmm. So I think once a few go in there and the, it smells of rat, yep. it's... Um, uh, it might be a little bit easier, but I think rats are also a little bit smarter than mice. Yeah, they are. Mm. So yeah. when you say electric, is it battery operated or electric? It's battery. Yeah. And okay. it, it gives them a, a bit of a zap no, when they I've, stand on I've both the pads. I've used them and with very limited success. This yeah. other one, this good nature one I found, which is not, I mean, it's only operated by this little canister of carbon, yep. whatever it is. <laughs> Compressed gas. <laughs> gas, yeah. yeah. Um, so, there's, yeah, there's no battery, no electrics or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, oh, so, so it never good. runs out, yeah. It could, could be quite expensive, I should imagine. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking 200 yeah, That's sure. sort of what comes to mind. I'm thinking yeah. around that yeah. sort if of figure. If they work, though... Yeah. Oh, it, well, and it definitely... It doesn't break. Yeah. Because like, sure, sure, there's some... Occasionally yeah. you get a good yeah. mouse trap or a yeah. rat trap or something that works really well, but they've designed them so they break after about 10 times. So they go off 10 times. And often you set them off when you're shifting them or something anyway, and they've only got about 10 snaps in them and then they crack. And they yeah. crack, yeah. I hate those spring ones because inevitably you catch them by the leg or something. Yeah. And still alive. Yeah, that's, that's, you, just, you don't want anything to be in pain. No. Even if they are a pest. That's true. It's, the other uh, thing I think uh, it's easy to say but not so easy to achieve, uh, the... Yeah, keep, 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 keep keeping your, your your yard tidy, and there's no place for them to to nest and to you know. And then you've got very to make, hard the, to the, do the, that, the, Graham. Then there's neighbours around, especially <laughs> if you've got a habitat garden. It's very very hard. Or yeah. you've got chickens, or yeah, yeah it's yeah, um, you're lazy. But <laughs> lazy, yeah, <laughs> D, all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dear. All right, well, let's get to a few more questions and hopefully we'll also get time to talk about some plants. Goodness gracious. Um, okay, do we have any suggestions for a flowering vine to plant in a south-facing location, um, i.e. full-on sun summer but winter shade? That's from Bess. Um, so, Evergreen? what are we thinking? She doesn't say, but um, <coughs> I guess we could just throw all sorts of suggestions. Well, well there's some pretty good clematis out there of pretty much any anything. If even if you're after natives, yep. there's some beautiful native oh, clematis that would cope with that really well. Mm, yeah. And mm. uh, pandoria, pandoria. Yep. Yeah. Um, pandoria, pandoria. So, so you could get uh, evergreen uh, clematis, or you could get a summer deciduous with a winter growing clematis in the same spot so you've got flowers in you know from midwinter right through until late uh spring early summer oh um, you know what i've got in one spot which would actually suit and that's a hops vine because if it's got summer sun that's going to give the hops and then it dies right back to its root yeah, so it's time, yeah. yeah deciduous and then you can put a tropiolum up there which grows in winter and dies back in summer yeah perfect yeah because <laughs> you don't want to waste a space no that's right. Fill it up. No, yeah. that's right uh, another really good strong climber, if you're not keen so much on the flowers, are things like, uh, um, uh, I can't think of the name now, Parthenocissus, oh, yeah. which, are, which are beautiful autumn colour. Yeah. And uh, Henriana, which is, I think it's Henriana, is uh, the silver-veined creeper. So it's got these beautiful dark green leaves with silver veins and sort of burgundy red tinges to the undersides and edges of the leaves. And then even in shade, it will get beautiful autumn colours so it doesn't have to be 
a lot of the pathanocissus have to be in full sun all the time to get their colour yeah. yep. or exposed. And the Henriana doesn't seem to need that. It can almost be in dark shade and still get these hot yeah. oranges and pinks and yellows through them, yeah. So yeah. That, um, the, there's and there's a good range of pathanocissus too that uh, can be smaller growing or bigger growing or mm. absolute thugs as well. Yeah. Um, so that would be another... Uh, decent and they're self-clinging too, so you don't need yeah. to put up any uh, unless it's plastic yeah. or glass or yeah. metal or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah, I mean we touched on pandaria, yeah, pandarana specifically. Mm. I'd say that, and that's um, and great variety evergreen. of flowers. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, white flowers, your lady die, then you go down to your um, gangura, which is your lovely golden showers and beautiful. Oh, there's just Gold. some divine ones. Yeah, yeah. purple and white flowers, yeah, tough and, and hardy, yeah, mm. dense. Although I had put one in her spridge garden and it keeps getting hit by frost. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen the Pandora. My pan, well, I suppose I don't get frost, but I haven't really <laughs> thought about Pandorias getting hit by frost because they're a fairly tough mm. leaf, you know. And and it came back all right, though? It did come back, yeah. but it really annihilated it. Knocked around a bit. Couldn't mm. believe it. Had a really severe frost. Mm. 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 Well, Bess, hopefully some good suggestions for you. And I also think of a, there's a book um, which is all native plants, but it's called Grow What Wear. Um, if you have access to that at all at a library or um, e- even in a bookshop, uh, Grow What Wear. And uh, the authors have listed, they've broken up the book into lists of plants to grow in various locations. It's so, a very good book. I oh, mate, mm. how good is that book? <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just brilliant. And literally you just look up um, vines for, for uh, shady sunny spots. They've even spot. got categories like what to grow underneath a pine tree and yeah. or, or things They've got like everything. Those, they've yeah, covered every single... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No water. Yeah, quite quite incredible book. <laughs> Wouldn't that would be a big list of No, no, it's, it's, it's surprising though how many. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to know your botanical names, though, yeah, so it's all yeah, it's yeah, all botanical. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, that that would be a, a good book to try. Uh, okay, another text. Hi, it's John in Northcote. I have a building project in the backyard. I need to move three mature espaliered apple trees around fifteen years old, and two citrus around five years old in the near future before winter. Any recommendations on doing that? It's the wrong time of the year to yeah. do yeah, it. Yeah, leave it as long as possible. That's true. But, you know, a real cut, cut, cut back and try and get a secure ball. When people are dig, digging out, they tend to, you know, get the spade in and do a bit of levering sort of thing. The, the, the soil falls off the ball and you, you, you're in, in, in a lot of trouble. You've got to be very patient. And, you know, dig. The other way to go is to, at this time of the year, if you, you dig, dig a trench right, 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 right around and, and, and leave it for a, a, a month sort of thing, they'll sort of stabilise a bit with, with earth because a lot of roots have been chopped off. And, and, and then, you know, you... you you, you guys would be better at it than I would, but uh, it's it, it's a matter of t- t- trying to get some some sort of a tarpaulin and hessian thing. Uh, you lean it one way, put the hessian on it, lean, lean it back, and and and, and get so and, and carefully, uh, you know. Maintain that ball of soil by all means, and 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 have the new site already dug, sort of thing, so she can take it directly. Yeah, don't don't leave it bare rooted. Definitely don't leave it in the sun. Always keep the roots covered. And um, as you say, that digging a 
It depends what sort of soil you've got too. If it's like sandy loam, you have a yeah. lot of trouble because it's almost yeah, impossible yeah, to keep full, an intact full, root ball. Mm. Mm. But if it's uh, it's a little bit heavier, it can be a bit easier. But as you say, you dig yeah. when you're digging out a big tree, it's easier to dig a trench down and then try and scoop under the root ball with so, with small picks and things and take yes, your time and be careful with it because yeah. it's a long-term thing. You're not yeah, – it's – yeah. And then you, if the root ball can be solid, you can actually use the root ball to remove the tree from the ground mm-hmm. uh, by carefully rocking yeah, the stem. Once you've cut underneath yeah, like a bowl, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can use yeah, the, the yeah, trunk yeah, as leverage yeah, 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 without uh, – yeah, because you, you, you don't want the roots – uh, pulling apart in the in the actual root ball. So mm. where the roots go back up into the main stem, if you're putting stress that pulls apart the roots, it'll split in the branching of the roots, yep. and that's not good. You, you want to try and chop through the roots as clean as possible. Yeah, yeah. I think with those trees, you'd be taking Greg two thirds of the top off, sort of thing. With yes, yeah. And as you say, you want to in the shift. And I think that's a big mistake too. Even with like buying things from nursery, often. It's better to lose a little bit now and you'll gain it back later rather than going, you've picked the tree out and it looks perfect and you want to plant it and keep it like that, but it's often better to remove uh, about a third or something, yeah. Yeah, and and probably also using seaweed uh, beforehand, giving them a a really good soak and after, of course, yeah, yeah, for sure. And no no fertiliser either. No, don't encourage the growth. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. keep the fertiliser off it for the first year or so, just get Mm. them settled in and seesaw and... Look after the root ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, John, that gives you some useful ideas. Everyone, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop, and joining me in the studio is Graham Morrison, Loretta Childs, and Greg Balderston. Graham, let's get to breakfast. Oh, yes. Good, 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 good one. <laughs> Here in front, in front of me, I, I have a Columbia sweet lime. You know, not many, many people know, know, know about them, but... Uh, in India, they're valued. They're valued for I think it's 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 sore, sore throats and fever and all sorts of things. In the old Persian Empire, they valued sweet sweet limes for cure cure all sort of thing. Very health giving, uh, giving uh, providing. The other thing is that they have uh, uh, you know, sore throats or colds, flu sort of thing. But it's an unusual one. They say sweet lime, so I thought if Greg, 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 your game, mate. There's a, yeah. there's oh, he's a, chopped it up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's, just chopped, that's chopped, chopped it up. Now, are they sweet or are they <laughs> yeah, well, actually really or, sour? Or you just yeah. being yeah. mean. A little, little bit on the bland side. Here we go. This is going to be good radio. Thank you. Your game. Thank you. Oh, Loretta, you're the bravest, uh, but she can't talk yet, so... <laughs> no, it's definitely sweet. Oh, cool. it doesn't there even taste go. like a lime. Yeah, sure. Mm. Uh, That's amazing. It's, it's different, isn't it? Yeah. It's, a, it's rather unique, I think. It's sort of that, 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 that flavour to it. But, the initial yeah, burst yeah. is is sweet and then it's bland. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's sort of... It's okay. It's still a little Very bit of lime there too, though. It's yeah. not... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's quite small, a little bit like a West Indies lime sh- sh- mm. shape, little, little, little ball thing. Oh, you re- I see. Oh, re- you've peeled re- it. Re- re- I see, yes. Reconstruct it there. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yes. So it just looks like a, a normal lime, but a little yeah. bit yellowier. Yeah, it's true. Oh, very That's good. A, so, so what was that one? People, AB used to come into my nursery and they'd come back, they'd buy a lime and a West Indies lime and they'd come back, you gave me something different altogether, Graham, it's gone yellow. And then <laughs> they all will go yellow, ultimately, just that people pick, pick, pick them and the green ones do. Yeah, it's just your option. 
It's a little bit like capsicums in their gardens. Uh, my my capsicums just sold me. They're no, no good. They're they're green. Wait a while, mate. <laughs> 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 That's very true. All right. What else have we got there? Well, if you like, continue my breakfast. This one here is a a, a babaco. It looks for those people. It's got, it's got, if you look up that little uh, the tab that you've got sort of thing, uh, it, it's on that. But uh, it's a subtropical thing. But uh, I've, got, I've got a tree in my garden. It's, it's prolific, you know. I've, I've, how do you describe that, AB? It's about uh, 30 centimetres long. Uh, yellow and quite a big heavy fruit, ter- terribly ju- juicy inside. Not as sweet as say a poor poor. Mm-hmm. Looks like a, it looks like a massive <laughs> banana. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> okay, good. With five, five <laughs> segments, yeah. massive yeah, banana. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The, tr- the tree's gone up about three and a half metres, sort of thing, just on a single stem. Now they sort of shoot out on the out at the, the outsides with it more. And although I've picked about t- ten already, I, I counted this, this fifty yeah, smaller immature. Fruits will, will come come on and ripen. They ripen through this this time time of the year into uh, March April. So there you go. Do now, you think it's a better um, like if you wanted to have poor poor in Melbourne, which sometimes can be a bit challenging? Do you think it's a better yeah, to have they, this they, one? They have a cool climate, poor poor, and all that sort of. Okay. The better you oh, yeah, 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 I'm getting breakfast. We're having. What's it called, Graham? A babaco. 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 Oh, yes. Is the skin edible? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It's sort of ask her. It looks like it was more sour than the lime, Loretta. Yep, definitely. She can't talk yet. We better time our eating here so that we're not all munching on it at the same time. Really good radio. Chomping away here. Thoughts? It tastes like something I've had before, but I can't quite. It's almost like cantaloupe a little bit. Oh, it, sm- it actually smells like cantaloupe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, in fact, yeah, the inside of it looks... a little bit bitter, or yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not in a bad way either. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. as you say, it's surprising because you expect this sweet, yeah, mm. uh, absolute yeah, sweet sure. thing, and it's it's mm. not. It's worth, a, worth people to grow. It goes up in a you know t- 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 tall Colombia. What's that word? Uh, and, 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 and so it's, it doesn't take up much room in your garden. Yeah. What, what are the, the leaves yeah. like? What, what, yeah, what? a little, little bit like a, 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 what's a plane tree one sort of thing. You know, okay. Sort of oh, how interesting. Fairly bulky thing. And is it deciduous? No, no, it's, a, it's a, 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 a evergreen. evergreen. I think it'd be probably mm. a little bit frost sense if you had a really frost. Because it's quite attractive fruit. Yeah. That's a, yeah, the first no, thing I thought. It's, a, it's, it's, it's quite yeah. attractive, very okay. large fruit. Fat banana. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, my son's son, son when he made smooth, smoothies out of it, sort of thing. Oh, yeah. smoothies would be well, well, yeah. Good. Because yeah. it's nice and juicy too. Yeah, it's very juicy yeah. indeed. Yeah, Beautiful. sure. Last last one, a thornless blackberry. Ooh. Now, blackberries are my favourite, yeah. so I'll have two. Blackberries are my favourite, too. Beautiful, thank you. Just hand over the container, Graham. Don't want a single one, thanks. I remember working at Stephen Ryan's nursery when I was a teenager, and he had the what he was calling then a Himalayan blackberry. I don't know that it... I think he's found the name for it now, and I can't remember what it is. I think I used to think it was called Rubus molecanus, but I think it might be something different. 
um, but the fruit on it were the size of golf balls. Whoa. And oh, when, the, when it was in season, oh. that's what I'd have for lunch while I was working at Stephen's Nursery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it had Didn't big... he feed you? Cheapskate. <laughs> oh, no, no. I had to get my own lunch from the shop. But it, it has big, again, like plane tree type leaves. Yeah, These, yeah, they weren't yeah. the compound type leaves that you usually think of a blackberry they were big uh, maple like leaves and these huge uh, yeah ping pong to golf ball size fruit on them they were just absolutely delicious sounds lovely I'd like to get onto that one what variety is this one a a thornless blackberry is it called Chester or something I don't know if it's got this one just they sold it as thornless blackberry but not not invasive like some of the the, the berries Mm -hmm. Also, fairly <laughs> long cane sort of thing, so you can sort of you know take them right along a fence sort of thing. And oh, yeah, what what I did was a bit of an accident rather than on, on purpose, but uh, I, I had one one in full sun and, and one one in shade, and uh, the one in full sunshine came in in December sort of thing through for about a, a month, and now I've got I've got the one in shade that that's got plenty of fruit on it, so I've got. Lengthen my period mm. over oh, which I can very harvest the other good thing, thing sort of with thing. a lot of the blackberries yeah. and raspberries yeah. and currants yeah. too, I guess, yeah. is that you can yeah. use the shade of the trees and things yes. as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. To, to, they to can grow in a space that yeah. a lot yeah. of yeah. your yeah. fruiting yeah. and yeah. vegetable yeah. plants yeah. can't yeah. grow. Yeah. That, 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 that's true. But, uh, you know, uh, black, black, blackberries, you know, used to go... Blackbearing the, the the wild ones, of course, as we've all, all mm-hmm. done. Mum used to make a lovely pie out of them, sort of thing, with a, a crust on it, and blackberry pie was something else. Uh, the wild of, ones, too. Scalded cream. You yeah. never know where you're going to get a really sour one or a really sweet one, <laughs> okay. and it's amazing when you find one that tastes yeah, like the one you've yeah, just yeah, given yeah, us, yeah, and no, then the next one that. makes you. Yeah. Face puckering. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any more fruit over there, Graham, no, to add to the fruit salad, about, mm-hmm. about, about, about the lot there. And we just want no. someone who grows coffee beans and can bring us coffee. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right. <laughs> All right. So someone has texted in uh, wanting to prepare an area facing northwest. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. I've got my pants. Yeah. Wanting to face, wanting to prepare an area facing northwest to grow some screening and small bird attracting natives along a fence. I love you already. Um, best way to prepare the soil and best time to plant Corymbia parsifolia. So I would say autumn. Um, yeah. And autumn for planting the natives. And Absolutely. Depends what your soil is like. Essentially you want to... Dig it over and make it as uniform as possible. So if it's a clay-based soil, so really heavy, you want to uh, break it over with a fork and then get down on your hands and knees. Yeah, bit of gypsum. Break up those big clods. So you're trying to create the soil where there's lots of air pores so that the roots can spread easily, but you don't want the really big air spaces where the roots are going to dry out. Um, yeah, if it's uh, a clay soil, you could put some gypsum in. Uh, if it's a sandy soil, add a bunch of compost. Um, if it's a loam, we all hate you. Um, <laughs> you got loam, have yeah, you? Yeah, volcanic. Oh, damn you. Good. Deep volcanic red soil. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so Although it's not always... Uh, the, the downside is well-drained volcanic soils dry out a lot in summer yeah. <laughs> and, uh, okay. and uh, yeah. it's hard to keep the water up to things yeah, um, sure. so you like to deep water sometimes but uh, there's often uh, you do a deep water and mm. in a heavier soil the water will last for a long time but in 
well drained soils it doesn't it just goes yeah, straight okay, through true, yeah, yeah sure so what, it does, what, what, does what, what, what's your source of water uh, i've this? got a bore yeah oh, oh, really oh, lovely. which was probably yeah. the best sort of ten or so thousand dollars i think i've ever spent yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah, very very good yeah, bore yeah, and yeah, uh, good. um makes things a lot easier yeah yeah, sure. yeah beautiful yeah. and this um listeners just requesting what what's the best compost i'm just gonna say anything that you can get your hands on really yeah, I mean, compost is compost. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's not going to affect, yeah, yeah, gonna affect yeah, natives yeah. negatively at all. So, no, yeah, no. essentially get to know the soil in the area, mm. dig it over, maybe do a drainage test, mm. dig a hole and pour a bucket of water in and, and wanna, see what it does. You want to get, as I say, it's not just adding organic matter. It's uh, You want the microbes and the good fungi and bugs and worms and things in there as well mm. because it's all those things together that make yes. good soil, not... Yep. Yeah. Just adding a magic pill, it's it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. you've got to you need all those things, uh, is uh, uh, to get the best sort of results from them, yeah. It's true, yeah. Uh, the our council out there they have a green bin that you put you you, you green waste in. I filled up my, my mine with water and I used it for a water tank because every you know I cut a lot of foliage and twigs and everything, but all goes yeah, down, yeah, down on my garden, yeah. yeah, yeah, in my garden for. Chop it up a bit fine and uh, tread, tread, tread it down. Maybe throw a bit of chicken manure on it. Yeah, I must do something with my green bin too because it's yeah, sure. still yeah. it's been there for nearly two years. I think and yeah, it's no, still no, down no, the front no, where they no, where yeah. it dropped <laughs> off. <laughs> worries me all. Uh, I was just wondering about Greg, Greg's fat. Uh, you know, he's intriguing me with this this, this lovely flower yeah, he's got in front of us. Let's have a quick well, chat about that, Greg. I'll, I'll do it quickly. There's yeah. uh, I bought a couple of Heidi's in this morning and. Uh, the one, Graham, uh, the one you're talking about is uh, the yeah. Quercifolia, which is uh, Snowflake, which is a double uh, yeah. hydrangea Quercifolia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was a, a, a teenager, I collected hydrangeas and had the species hydra- Australian species hydrangea collection for a while. Gee. Mm. And yeah, really. I had about 30 yeah. or 40 yeah. different species well, of cultivars. You've been a nerd for a long time. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And after growing them all, I think uh, hydrangea... Uh, Quercifolia snowflakes got to be the best Heidi out there. It's it's it handles much dry uh, conditions than most of the other Heidi's. It's one of the uh, American hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a pity that people can't see it. It's really yeah. Spe- I've, I've spectacular. actually I've got a, a photo of this one, so I'll, I'll pop it on the, it's re- on the Facebook. Re- 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 really spectacular. And, and yeah. it flowers most of the year. I reckon it flowers for about nine months that, of the year. Oh, that's a, um, that, 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 fancy that. Yeah. It's evergreen, but it gets autumn colour, so it won't drop. It gets these beautiful autumn tones uh, from burgundy to black. Uh, all the way through winter, mm. and it mustn't get cold enough where I am, at least anyway, uh, where it, it never really drops its leaves like mm. even the other quercifolias do. It hangs Gee. onto its leaves mm-hmm. until the new ones are ready to come out. Mm. So like you, the, the leaves are instantly replaced with the fresh ones. Yeah, very good. Once they're established, like this is a medium sized flower I've got here, it's probably about 30 centimetres long. It's a, like a, a panicle type uh, flower, like the paniculatas. Yeah. Um, the florets, instead of being a single row of florets, they're fully doubled, tripled, quadrupled. They're sort of stacked on top of each other. Uh, this is in full sun till one or two in the afternoon. And the, the flower that I've bought in has got frizzled, burnt, uh, florets on it, but it's still in pretty good nick for being sort of, uh, in February. Uh, and yeah, it's just a, a really tough plant and I've had flowers 
uh, nearly three times as big as this one that I've bought in. So oh, nearly gracious, the best yeah. part of a metre long, this oh, yeah. huge double-flowered <laughs> quirk of folio. It's, it's just a – it does. it's one of those things that does something all year round. Yeah. Um, which is, is stunning. Those things are rare when they come along. With, you yeah. sort of got to embrace yeah. them. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And the other Heidi I bought in was uh, Aspira Rocklon, which is oh, one lovely. of the, the big hairy leaf hydrangeas. Yeah. Um, and this one, once it's established, it can handle dry too, but it needs shade. It's a woodland plant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they get up to oh, three to five metres tall mm-hmm. if you yeah. let them yeah. grow long yeah. enough. Yeah. The flowers good. can be uh, 30 to 50 centimetres across. Um, they're bigger on in wet years, so this year I've got quite big flowers on it. Where mm-hmm. in drier seasons the flowers might only be uh, fifteen or twenty centimeters across, but in a, a wetter year, if you give them water, mm-hmm. yep. the beautiful velvety mm-hmm. leaves about the same Things, yeah. size as well. These beautiful big velvety leaves, and you don't have to prune it. Yeah, and um, so do you think the wet summer? Like the wet start to summer actually pushed them along? Yes, yeah. And I've, I've noticed over the years that if we have a little bit more rainfall uh, in in winter and spring, the, yep. the flowers will get a little bit bigger. Yeah. But uh, I've also noticed too when it's younger, so the first five years or so in a dry year, you're watering it to keep it alive. Yeah, okay. But once it gets yep. over about five years old and it gets its roots down, it's been through a couple of harsh summers. Yeah. It'll you, when you water it, you're making it better. Yeah. Rather than uh, I've noticed that you know over the years, there's some things you water to keep alive, and some things you're watering to actually make them look good. Yeah. And this is at a stage now where you can water it, and it makes it a makes it makes much, it better. Yeah, it's not just keeping it alive. Yeah. It's actually yeah, advancing lovely. its uh, aesthetics. Yeah. So. Uh, um, so I've propagated a heap of these for Forest Glade, where the the June storms cleared a big section of the the garden down there so um uh and they propagate quite easily so i think i put in yeah 60 cuttings or so and there's about 70 plants there beautiful um so yeah in five or ten years time if you're at forest glade hopefully you'll see a forest of these which i don't think i know of anywhere where there's more than about two or three planted in one spot. So yeah, beautiful. Uh, yeah, there's going to be about forty or fifty of them down there. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. And what what have you got over there, Miss Florida? I Lorida? have got some bits and pieces, yeah. but in actual fact, I would love to just read a little piece oh, yes. out of this book, which is a book I've been reading. It's called The Well Garden Mind, and I couldn't think of a better place to leave you with this. Um, it's by Sue Stewart Smith, and she is a psychoanalyst and psychologist and psychotherapist and she became a gardener by default with her husband who is um, Tom Stuart Smith. So this is a little snippet out of this beautiful book and it's called The Well Gardened Mind. We have a minute. A garden gives you a protected physical space which helps increase your sense of mental space and it gives you quiet so that you can hear your own thoughts. The more you immerse yourself in working with your hands, the more free you are internally to sort feelings out and work them through. These days I turn to gardening as a way of calming and decompressing my mind. Somehow the jangle of competing thoughts inside my head clears and settles as the weed bucket fills. Ideas that have been lying dormant come to the surface and thoughts that are barely formed sometimes come together and unexpectedly take shape. At times like these, it feels as if along with all the physical activity, I am also gardening my mind. 
I love that. that. That's a really beautiful way to end the show, which we will in a second. And I think a, a lot of – I shut my eyes while you were reading that and it was just delightful. I know people come into the nursery at Karanga and they say, I'm just here for a bit of uh, rest and relaxation. I'm going to wander around and recharge my batteries looking at the plants. So mm. I, I think we all get that, don't we? Yeah. 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 Mm. All right. Well, that is the show. Um, Loretta Childs, Graham Morrison and Greg Balderson, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your knowledge and being part of the team once again this year thank you to our producers Byrne and Rose very much appreciate you guys and to Liz for doing our socials Um, that's it for the gardening show my name is AB Bishop so please tune in again next week bye for now Mm -hmm.